real quickly, I just want to focus on these verses again in Luke 1. Thanks, Stacia. Um, so you can put this on the screen. At verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favorite one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. It's believed that she was only about... 14 years old at this time. Let that settle in for a moment. This 14-year-old girl, young woman, in her culture, is now being entertained by the presence of an angel to tell her how she's playing a part in God's greater story. Now, of course, a 14-year-old then and in that region is drastically different from a 14-year-old today, but nevertheless, she's still 14. And uh, there's not a whole lot of life experience there. She probably, more than likely, still lives at home with her parents. And I can imagine on this day, as the angel visited her, that she was probably at home daydreaming, maybe dreaming about her upcoming nuptials to the man that she was pledged to be with, just thinking about her life that was going to be. She was at home in this insignificant little town called Nazareth that um, had such a reputation that when Philip told Nathaniel about Jesus who had come, who was the one that Moses had prophesied about, Nathaniel's response was, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So this 14-year-old girl who was born to and in this insignificant town Nazareth would be maybe the equivalent of, uh, of saying that Jesus uh, had come out of the Park Hill housing project for us. It's not a place that when you would imagine greatness comes from, you, you wouldn't identify that. But this is kind of the feeling that we get when you talk about where Jesus and where Mary is ultimately from. She's, she's just an ordinary girl from an insignificant place and there doesn't seem to be anything extraordinary about her background in the gospel according to Matthew. In fact, we, we see that as Matthew is writing to the Jews for the Jewish culture, your genealogy, your, your family tree, your lineage is important. You see that in chapter 1 as Matthew begins to unpack it and he lists the family line of Jesus ultimately going all the way back to Abraham and working his way all the way up to not Mary but to Joseph. But nowhere do you read in any of the Gospels about Mary's lineage. The only thing that we do have is in the Gospel according to Luke where Luke introduces us to her cousin by the name of Elizabeth, who is to be the mother of John the Baptist. This young girl, 14 years old, from an insignificant place, possibly from an insignificant family. We don't even know the name of her parents, but for some reason, when God put forth his plan of salvation for all of humanity, he goes to this teenager raised in poverty and obscurity, 
And the Gabriel that we are introduced to here addresses her as favored one. She's young, she's insignificant, born in obscurity and poverty. There's nothing special about her history, yet Gabriel says, greetings to you, favored one. Now, when I think about favor, I don't know about you, when you think about favor, I don't imagine that this would be the identity of someone in which God would consider someone to be favored. But one of the things that I recognize about favor and one of the things that we oftentimes do is we think that favor and favorites are synonymous. That when we hear the words favor, you think that it's the same thing, but there's a distinction there. They aren't the same. They may be closely related, but there's a difference between favor and favorite. In fact, um, Peter even talks about this as he is forced to deal with his own prejudice. If you read after he has an encounter with the Lord in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10, he makes it clear that God isn't one who has favorites. God doesn't have favorites. You read this, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. I raise this up because you need to know, we all need to be in the same understanding that if God can use this insignificant teenage girl raised in poverty and obscurity, then the answer is a resounding yes, God can use you. And that's the challenge for so many of us today. The challenge that we are faced is whether or not can God do for me what I've read that God could do for so many. Well, yes, he can if you begin to realize and understand that it isn't that God has chosen a favorite people, but God has just favored someone, which is significantly different. You see in Scripture where favoritism happens, favoritism always brings about division. If you go back to the earlier stories with the first family, with, with the story of, of Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, the twins who warred with one another, uh, Isaac favorite was, had a favorite, which was Esau. Rebekah had a favorite, which was Jacob. Their favoritism split their family, caused division. Anytime that you have a favorite, it always brings about division. I should know this in my own family because uh, my mom has two kids and I'm the favorite of my little sister. She's been struggling with it for the whole 33 years of her life. She's got to get over it. I'm joking. Favoritism never brings about harmony. It always brings about division. That's why God doesn't have favorites. And so when you read in the scripture, you see God doing amazing things through people. You got to understand that God's favor, God's choosing them for something does not mean that there's something better about them and something not so good about you. Because God's favor has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with God's plan. And so as we un unpack this scripture, you'll see that what's being communicated to Mary, and truthfully, the only thing that God favored Mary for was basically this. And that was to single her out, single her out as a special instrument whom God chose to use in his glorious plan of salvation. And so the emphasis that should be highlighted here ought not be how great Mary is, but how great God's plan is that he decided to use someone like Mary 
to be a part of his great plan. Now, there are some, and I, I don't argue with them, who, who, who will say that they're because deity passed through Mary that makes her significant. Well, we can argue about that later. What I'm saying is that when you talk about who Mary is in relation to God's plan and in relation to God's character, Mary was just chosen. She was favored by God for something that God was hoping to do for all of God's people because not only does God favor Mary, but God favors all of us as well. And so let's unpack this quickly, and I hope that you'll be able to follow me. The first thing I want you to see uh, in Mary's story is that basically favor will find you. Again, we'll, we'll discover this, that as Mary is at home, she's minding her business, counting down the days, daydreaming about her new life, interrupted by Gabriel. Gabriel says, favorite one, the Lord is with you. And although there's nothing extraordinary about Mary, there's something extraordinary about God's plan. And God decides to show up and interrupt her story to introduce to her something that God wants to do. And before Gabriel shares the details about what God is doing, he reassures her by the way of one thing, something that she already and most likely will need to be reminded of. And that was simple this. You are favored by God, but don't worry about it. The Lord is with you you. Now, understand that I believe that when God speaks, when the angels speak, that he's speaking and communicating something that we can relate to to bring us into his story. So, specifically to Mary, Mary was a good Jewish girl. So, when she speaks and when Gabriel speaks and says, the Lord is with you, there's something greater being communicated to Mary there. It's not just about the fact that God is there eventually somewhere transcended with her, but he's letting her know, reminding her of the teachings that she's received from when she was a younger girl about how God is with you. Perhaps she reflected back in the Psalms when she was taught that if I ascend into heaven, you are there. And behold, even if I make my bed in hell, you are even there. She needed to be reminded for where God was taking her that Mary, the Lord is is with you. And every now and again, the Lord has to disrupt our lives as he is prepping us for where we are going to be before he can relate to us, reveal to us what he is calling us towards. He needs us to be reminded of the reality that he has not forgotten about us, that he is with us. Imagine this young girl raised in obscurity and in poverty. The Lord is calling her to something great. She needed to know that even though this is her present circumstance, the Lord is still with her. He has not forgotten about her. And I think about this culturally for for Mary in her present circumstance. This place that she lives in not only is Nazareth small and obscure, but the nation of Israel at this time was under Roman occupation. They did not even have a military. They were suffering under Roman rule, suffering and dying from oppression and sickness was running rampant throughout the community. And many of them thought that God had forgotten about them because it had seemed like he had been silent for so many years. And so Gabriel appears to her and lets her know that although these are the experiences that you've currently been introduced to, you need to know that regardless of what you see with your eyes, the Lord is with you. Okay? Um, my, my, my entire household, we, we, we love superhero stories. And uh, we, we've seen probably every movie currently and all, all of the TV shows. 
You can ask me, my daughter, my wife. We, 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 we know them all. We done watched them all. Binge watched them. Netflix, Hulu, you name it. We've done it all. We've got a little bit of an addiction maybe. Just, just a little. Pray for us. Pray for us. Uh, but grow, growing up, growing up, I didn't always have, or we didn't have, we didn't have the, the streaming capabilities. Like you, you couldn't just cut on TV and have hundreds upon thousands of options. Like whatever was on the TV, Kind of, that's what you dealt with. That's why um, if you're over 30 or maybe 35, at this point maybe 40, I'm old, uh, everybody my age and generation, even though it came on long before us, we all know Perry Mason, right? We, Perry Mason because it was the only thing that was on at a certain time of night, and whether you like Perry or not, you just watched it because it was on TV. There was another show, though, before the superhuman or the superhero stories that we enjoy today that came out when I, well, that we watched when I was a kid that predated us. And it was my first introduction to a real superhero that you could watch on TV outside of a comic book. It was the old Batman stories. Y'all, y'all remember Adam West Batman? Yeah, y'all remember. I mean, it was so corny and when you look back at it now, right? Yeah, holy, holy something Batman. Robin with his crazy sands, right? It was so, it was so weird, man. And, and, and it was so weird and it was so predictable, but every episode left you with a cliffhanger. You remember? You remember whether it didn't matter what villain Batman was engaging, it was Penguin, it was the Riddler, it was the Joker, no matter who it was that Batman was facing, at the end of every episode, Batman and Robin found themselves in a bind trying to figure out how they were going to be freed from whatever trick that whatever enemy or villain they were facing was on. And so what would happen is they're all the time tied up. Like, for some reason, the only thing they could do was be tied up, right? And it was always Batman and Robin tied up back to back. And so Robin would always ask Batman, what are we going to do? If I was Batman, I was like, you figured out. You're always asking me. But he never did that. He was really nice. They were always tied up back to back. And he asked what they was going to do. And you'd be tuned in and trying to figure out what's going to happen. Is the bomb going to go off? Are they going to fall? What's going to happen? Is the axe going to swing? And on every time, every week, what would happen by the time you were so tuned in, it would go off. Scream would go to black, and you'd hear the announcer, and the announcer would say what? Tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And every week you experience that cliffhanger, just wonder what was going to happen. Well, you know what happened over a period of time, I began to realize that, oh, I don't have to have my nerves racked about this because according to history and tradition, if I just wake up and watch it the next week, they're going to be here the same bad time and the same bad time. It didn't matter what trial. It didn't matter what villain. The only thing that was true is that they were going to be there. They were going to be delivered every time. Same bad time same bad child. I think that applies to us. I think that applies to Mary's story, what the Lord was trying to to communicate to her through the angel Gabriel. I know what you see. I know what you're experiencing, but remember that you've been here before, and I know that there's obscurity. I know that there's problems, but if you just wake up tomorrow, you'll see that God is still here. The Lord is still present. The Lord is with you. 
The Lord is with you. He has not forgotten about you. He has not given up on you. I know that it is stressful. I know that it's strenuous. I know you feel like you don't have energy enough, and I know you're tired of it, of going through it over and over again. But if you just wake up tomorrow, the same God who was there yesterday will be the same God who will be there today, and the same God who will be there forevermore. The Lord is with you. Favored one, regardless of what you're experiencing, the Lord is with you. Favor will find you. Basically, what this means is this, is that as God is putting together his plan, there's no need for you as you are watching, because here's what happens in our culture today. We watch what seems to be God choosing favorites around us. And you wonder, Lord, when is it going to be my time? Because I'm I'm willing to celebrate with my neighbor. I'm willing to celebrate with my friends. But God, at some point in time, I need a little bit of what you've given them right here to make it home. Like, I need you to bring it home to mama. Like, come on, bring it home here, God. I need you to do it for me because we believe that God has favorites. But God does not have favorites. God has chosen each of us for something that he is putting and working together. And if you just hold on and believe that the Lord is with you, the Lord will reveal to you favor, will find you just where you are as God is choosing something for you, preparing you for something. We'll see in a minute. Just hang in there because here, it'll make sense in a moment. Not only will favor find you, check this out, favor, favor will challenge you. So, Check this out. Um, Gabriel, Gabriel speaks to this young girl, and, um, and he says to her, uh, greetings, favorite one, right? Um, and, and the Bible then says that, um, that Mary was perplexed, greatly perplexed, and she pondered. Uh, basically, what's happened is as Gabriel is speaking to her, she's having an entire internal conversation. Like, so this isn't, this isn't her responding yet to Gabriel. Gabriel asks, and then she says to herself, she's much perplexed by his words. Basically, Mary says to herself, wait, wait a minute, what in the world is, is going on? That, that's, that's pretty much what's happening. Gabriel's speaking. This, this angel disrupts. He interrupts her situation. He comes in. She's puzzled. She's 14. She, she's 14. She's trying to figure out what in God's good name is going on. Who is this? What is he talking about? Wait, 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 wait a minute. What? Before Gabriel's even mentioned anything, she, she's already puzzled just by the She don't have no idea what's going on. She, she's clueless right now. But, but that's not where the challenge is. She's already puzzled, trying to figure out what's going on. And then Gabriel tells her why he is there. In verse 31, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And, and there is the challenge of favor. Mary, Mary found favor, and now she's charged with carrying something that she was chosen for but didn't ask for. She's 14. She's engaged. She's a virgin, 
And now the gate, the angel comes to her and says, hey, you're favored. Now I need you to recognize you're getting ready to carry this baby. That's, that's a challenge for her. What happens is favor in our minds is oftentimes something that's euphoric. But here's the reality. Favor doesn't always bring about bliss. Sometimes favor can be, in fact, a burden. Favor can not only be a burden, but sometimes, you know, you, you've prayed over and over again. God, why does it have to be me? God, why am I chosen for this? God, why do I have to experience this? Sometimes those prayers, what you're praying about is something that God has chosen you for, something that God has favored you for. And because in our minds, we assume favor to be something blissful, that God favors me, which means that God is going to promote me, elevate me. Favor is not always about elevation. Sometimes favor is about experiencing what God has chosen you for, for the work in which he's sending you to. If you think about it, even Jesus, the most highly favored one, had to reconcile and deal with the fact that his favor didn't always look the way that he hoped it would. As he's sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane preparing for what the Lord has taken him to, in his prayer, he even prayed, Lord, if it is even possible, let this cup, let this favor pass by me. I don't even want it. It's too much for me. Sometimes favor can be challenging, and when God chooses you, oftentimes it comes with a big old case of complications, complexities, confusion, and oftentimes chaos. Trying to figure out, how am I going to make the most out of whatever it is that God has brought me to? Take Mary again. She's pregnant now. She's pregnant. She's a virgin. She's engaged. She's got to deal with the community. She's got to deal with her family. She's got to deal with her fiance and all these things. As she is listening to an angel say, she is highly favored. But in her mind, man, the challenge of it, I can't imagine that feeling highly favored is this situation that she's experiencing now. But I love Gabriel's response to her. As, as she's puzzled and perplexed, she, she, she asked the question, how is this even possible? How is this possible? I'm a virgin. She's explaining her experience. How is this possible? And I love this. Here's, here's his response. The Holy Spirit will come over you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Or back to verse 28, basically what he's saying is the Lord is with you. Usually when we hear those verses explained, we, we only think about the Holy Spirit coming and overshadowing her as the process by which God is going to make a baby inside of Mary. No, it's, it's deeper than that. What, what the Lord, what Gabriel was communicating with her is the fact that God is going to make it work. That although she's experiencing a lot of this confusion and complexity within her heart, that the Lord is going to do something. The Holy Spirit is going to help her in this season. I feel like that's something that many of us are trying to figure out. You're trying to figure out how, how God is going to make something happen. You're even okay with the reality that God has chosen you for something. What you're not okay with is the process that you find yourself in right now. You're wanting to know how the Lord is going to do it. You wanted to know how, you wanted to know when, you wanted to know what. You want all the answers because you want to map it all out because ultimately what you want to do is to have control. 
But the reality is, is that we never have control. Control is a myth that we've told ourselves. God is always in control. That's why Gabriel had to reassure her that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Holy Spirit will empower you. He will overshadow you. He will keep you. I know this to be true because as he's saying the Holy Spirit will overshadow, what that is is a, it's a semblance of the Old Testament exodus. As, as the Israelites had come out of Egypt and they had wandered the wilderness, you remember, for 40 years. And the Bible tells us that in the daytime, they were led by a pillar of smoke to keep the, the sun out, to keep them cool as they journeyed, right? And at nighttime, the pillar of smoke turned into a pillar of fire. And the fire provided not only heat, but it provided light. So the Lord overshadowed them as a cloud to lead them along the journey not to give them relief or to end the journey any quicker, but just to let them know that while you're enduring the journey that you're on, that I've chosen you for, I've given you something that will help to strengthen you as you're on the journey. You may not know how. You may not know when. They didn't know when the Lord would lead them to the promised land. You may not know when this is all going to come to a head. But what you need to know is just as the Lord did for Israel and for Mary, the Lord will overshadow you. He's going to keep you right now. He may not always deliver you out of it immediately, but know that he will sustain you. And we know that to be true because you're here right now. His sustaining power is with us. So the Lord will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will bring power to you. And so favor, favor will find you. Favor will challenge you. So if God chooses, and God doesn't always choose us for the things that we ask for, which oftentimes means some of the things that we're praying for to be removed from or out of our lives isn't always the enemy fighting us. Sometimes it's God preparing us. And sometimes what you're praying to get rid of is something that God is using to prepare you for where he's taking you to. Which means that when you experience trouble, God can't always be on trial when things aren't working out your way. Because if God is always good, if we believe him to be good, if he is truly a deliverer, if he's truly a good God, every time that you experience trouble, we can't then say and ask God, where is your goodness? Well, God's goodness is the same goodness that was there last year, six months ago, six days ago with our mindsets. That same goodness that was there still applies to today. You just can't keep forgetting when trouble comes your way. Because favor is challenging. God chooses us for things oftentimes that is challenging for us. Because ultimately, when favor finds you and favor challenges you, the reality is the last thing is that favor isn't for you. We think that favor is about us. And that God does something in our lives. He chooses us for us. God never does anything in anybody's lives for them. If you read the entire story of Scripture, everything, every plan that God did through someone else was for the betterment of somebody else, not necessarily themselves. And so when God promised to bless Abraham, the blessing that God gave to Abraham was not for Abraham and Sarah, baby, it was for us. 
that God put together something that will bless nations to come. And every individual character God chose, he did it for something greater than them. So when you're praying for God's favor, understand what you're asking for is not something that will necessarily benefit you. It may be something that benefits your children. It may be something that benefits your family. It may be something that benefits your church, but it isn't always for you. Favor isn't for you. Favor is always for something in the greater plan of God. I'll make my point pretty plain here because if you read in verse 31, you'll find as Gabriel is speaking, he says, And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. If you don't know, Jesus' name actually and literally means Yahweh is salvation. You will conceive and bear in your womb a son who is the salvation of the Lord. God chose Mary not for Mary's purpose. He chose Mary not just to favor Mary so that Mary could be in the history books. He chose her because he had a plan for salvation for all of humanity, and she was chosen and favored for something greater than herself. Favor was never about her. So when Gabriel is speaking to her, and Gabriel is saying, you are the favored one, Gabriel was not looking at her and saying, just you, Mary, You're going to be favored. The Lord is going to bless you. The Lord is going to elevate you. This next season of your life is going to be absolutely amazing. He's going to take you to new heights. Know what the angel was saying to Mary is that, hey, baby, listen, the Lord is going to use you in a way that's going to bless so many people. I don't know about you, man. I think I'll take that favor. I'll take that favor. I'll take the favor in knowing that at least by the time the Lord calls me home from here, I've done something. I've participated in God's plan that did something that for generations to come, when my children's children will be able to say, I have been able to make a difference because of the work that has gone before me. Because favor isn't for us. It's not for you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than us. It's for the glory of God. It's for the salvation of all of humanity. We're asking for favor. And I pray that you still pray for favor. Know that what you're praying for is something bigger than your comprehension, greater than what you have ever believed and imagined. It's something that is specifically for God's greater plan the salvation of humanity. He wants to do that through all of us. But no, you ain't got to manufacture it. He's going to find you. And you ain't always got to look for something on the mega level. No, man, he can find you right where you are. As a matter of fact, for many of you, he's already found you. You've been asking those questions. You've been wondering why you're going through some of the things that you're going through. You've been wondering why, how come nobody else is stepping up. You've been experiencing the turmoil, bearing the burden of your family and your friends. You seem to be the only one in your circle. Consider, rather than that just being a burden, man, consider the fact that that could just be God's favor. That he planted you there. He chose you for that moment to make a difference. Among those people in that community, at that place, God chose you for that. He picked you out. He favored you for that moment, which means it's going to be challenging. 
Because people are challenging. The call is oftentimes challenging. Remember, Mary was chosen for something she didn't ask for. It's challenging. But one of the ways, man, that you find strength is recognizing that it's bigger than you. It's not about you. That's, that's the greatest line in the second most popular book ever, ever written. The, the two books that have sold more than any other book in the world. First one is the Bible. It's always on the bestseller list. Second one is Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. And the opening line in that book is pretty simple. It's not about you. You want to know how to experience joy and happiness on another level? Stop making everything about you. Because if you are the primary character in the narrative of everything that you experience, then you will always find something to be unhappy about. Because there's always something or somebody or some situation that will make us feel lower than how God has chosen and placed us. But if God is the greater, if his story is most important, if you're a part of his meta-narrative, if that is all that you focus on, then as a natural consequence of that, you can experience joy in places that you never thought that you could. God will keep you sustain you, and he will help you to see your way through. Amen? Come on, stand on your feet. Let's get ready to get out of here. He's a God who never changes in an ever-changing world. And so what you need to know about your God is that His affections for you, it's not situational. So he doesn't say on one day, you're highly favored. And because you make a mistake and you mess up, oh, well, you know, not today, you're not favored. That's, that's not our God. The God that we serve, the God that we know, he knew what you were, who you were, and what you would do before you even got there. He knew your challenges ahead of time. And even though he already knew your challenges, he still chose you. And one of the ways, man, that that's so true to me that I always think about it is, I I think about the disciples. And one in particular, Judas. Well, if God is all-knowing, then he knew ahead of time that Judas was going to betray him but he still chose him. And even right before he chose him, you'll find this blessed event where the Lord humbles himself and he washes Judas' feet with the rest of them. But he knew in advance, which means his love is so great. That's what he wants us to find our hope in. So, we'll take some time and pray before we get out of here. 
Lord is speaking something to you. We want to give you an opportunity to respond. And so, um, baby, if you can stand here. Angel, if you come forward over here. Got these two ladies to my side. They're there to pray with you. For whatever the situation may be, we want to give you an opportunity to respond as the worship team leads us. So I, I'm going to say a quick prayer. My, my prayer is primarily a buffer. It's to give you time to make up your mind that, okay, today's my time. Now is my moment. So, you're going to be wrestling internally and trying to figure out, should I, the answer is always yes. If you are right now in your mind, if you're trying to figure out, should you, if you are asking that question, the answer is yes. It's always yes. They're there to receive you to pray with you before we leave. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, my prayer is that for my sister, my brother here today, who's been wondering, battling, faced with whatever expectations, unfair or otherwise, they have of themselves or they think that you have of them, let them know, Lord, that yes, indeed, they are favored by you. But also, Lord, to see the spiritual implications of the moment in which they are, that the favor may not always look the way that they think that it should. But what's most important is that you are with them. And God, I know that there's somebody here this morning who feels isolated and alone and feels as though you're not there. So God, help them to see you more clearly in this moment. Again, them the courage step forward to make a decision for you. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, will you come? This worship team leads us. These counselors are here for you. Come on. Thank you. 
Hey